Well, good morning, everyone. And isn't it lovely to be in the house of the Lord and just to be able to worship him in spirit and in truth. And welcome to those online, whether you're um, listening now or whether you listen later. My prayer for you today is that you may encounter the living God in some really meaningful way. So let's, let's pray before I start. Father in heaven, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you that you gave your son to die for us. Lord, we never want to take that for granted. Lord, we always want to have that in the, in the front of our mind, Lord God, the sacrifice that you made for us. And so, Father, we come before you today and we ask that you speak to us. Speak to us in that still, small voice. Speak to us through other people. Speak to us through your word. We open ourselves to your leading today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to our series on the unstoppable acts of the Holy Spirit, where we're, we're reading through, we're travelling through the, God, uh, the book of Acts in the New Testament and we're experiencing some very amazing things that have happened and also some quite confronting things. And today we're looking at chapters 6, 7 and 8, so it's quite a chunk. It's mainly about two men, Stephen and Philip. I encourage you to read it for yourselves because it's quite exciting. And we do again encounter in these chapters some amazing things we see the church do and also some very sad and some very confronting challenges for the church. We see on the one hand the boldness that the followers of Jesus have. The Holy Spirit is in them, working through them to testify to Jesus and to do amazing miracles in his name. But also we see the opposition arising to the gospel and that brings about persecution of the believers. And it's a time where we see a difference in the results or the outcomes that the people of faith are experiencing. Two men in particular who both put their faith in God who were both very dedicated to God, but who both had very different experiences in their lives while they were serving him. Differences in the outcomes. So let me explain this a little bit more. I think that we tend to like things to be very clear-cut. So we have a cause and you see an effect. So, for example, you've got an important exam coming up, you study really hard for it, you expect that you're going to do well. The, the effort produces the outcome. Or you, you have a healthy diet and you exercise well, so you expect to be healthy. Or you're very careful in how you spend your money, you save your money, so you expect to see it accumulate. You don't expect that you're going to lose your money. So we equate our efforts with the results that we get. And sometimes when you work hard for something and you don't get the result that you wanted, then you can become a bit frustrated, maybe disillusioned, maybe even think that you want to give up. And in this passage today, we see the contrast between these two men who both put in the effort to serve God but reaped very different outcomes. 
So both of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Both did amazing miracles in, in, the, in his name. And yet one continued in the power of the ministry that God had given him and saw many, many people come to faith. The other one was also filled with the Spirit, did amazing miracles and also continued in the ministry that God had given him and yet he faced death. They both obeyed God. They were both faithful to the call that he had on their lives but their experience of their faith in action was very different. So the first account is about a man called Stephen and it's in Acts chapter 6 and 7 and Lockie read part of that for us today. Thanks, Lockie. Now Stephen, he was one of the men chosen, seven men chosen by the early church to oversee the distribution of food. In Acts chapter 6 verse 8 it says, that Stephen was full of God's grace and power and performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. So this is a man of faith. Stephen was devoted to serving the believers but also devoted to testifying to Jesus. And I think today sometimes we tend to separate out those two roles. We think someone who's a server is distinct from someone who's an evangelist and they don't necessarily overlap. But we see here in Stephen that this is a man who is devoted to serving his people and as well as testifying to God. Now, you know, the gospel was attracting opposition and some Jewish men became upset about what Stephen was saying and so they tried to argue with him, argue against his testimony, argue against all the reasoning that Stephen was giving that Jesus was in fact the Messiah. But they couldn't win their argument against him. And the passage in Acts 6 verse 10 says that no one could stand up against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. The wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So here we see the spirit of God Giving, giving Stephen the words to say and the power and the authority to say them in a way that they couldn't even refute his argument. Now this is what Jesus had spoken about. He'd spoken about how, how the Holy Spirit would give us the ability to be able to testify to Jesus. And here's three examples of what he said. Matthew chapter 10 Verses 9, 19 to 20, Jesus said, When you are arrested, when you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it's not you who are speaking, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. And in a similar way, in Luke chapter 21, verse 15, Jesus said, I will give you the right words and wisdom so that none of your opponents will be able to reply or refute you. And then in John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit. He talks of the Holy Spirit as being our helper, our helper, someone who comes alongside us and helps us to serve the Lord. And he says that the Holy Spirit will teach us everything 
and he will remind us of everything that we have learned. So it's a good, re- a good reason to read your Bible because when you read your Bible, what you're doing is you're, you're taking in all the words that Jesus spoke, all the understanding, and, and the Holy Spirit can then take hold of that and use that when you need to testify to Jesus. So these Jewish men, they're trying to argue with Stephen and they can't get through. So they're becoming frustrated. They've put all their efforts into showing that Stephen is wrong and yet they can't prove it. So they become frustrated and they decide that they're going to get somebody to lie about what Stephen has said. Quite unfair. But it was a common thing that the Jewish people who were afraid of Jesus as Messiah, it was a common thing that they did. They would accuse somebody of blaspheming God, which was one of the worst things that you could possibly do. And they had Stephen arrested. And Stephen was brought before the High Council, which is a group of very intimidating, very well-educated men with, you know, flash robes on. And there was a lot of them. So Stephen is standing in front of this this huge group of well-educated men and they're trying to intimidate him. And an amazing thing happened as Stephen was standing there. It says in Acts 6.15 that Stephen's face shone as bright as an angel's. So here are all these men who know their Bible back to front but don't know Jesus as Lord. And Stephen is standing there and the glory of God is just shining out of him. And Stephen goes on to give this amazing testimony of, of God working through the ages. We didn't read it today. It's in chapter 7 of Acts. And if you ever want a shortened version of the Old Testament, I recommend Acts chapter 7. Because Stephen traces the connection between the Jewish people and God. He goes from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, the 12 tribes, Moses, uh, Joshua and the two kings, David and Solomon. And he recounts the covenants. He recounts the promises that God has made to his people to be steadfast in his love, in his mercy, in his grace, despite the fact that many, many times the people of God rebelled against him. And yet he was, he was merciful to them. He would draw them back into relationship with him. And then Stephen has this amazing speech that he says to these, these very well-educated men. Acts 7.51 You stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. I mean, this, this is like saying that to the Pope or, or some of our religious leaders today. You know, you, you just, you know, they expect respect. They, they are shocked that Stephen would speak so boldly to them. But he goes on. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? For you have betrayed and murdered the Messiah, Jesus. The Holy Spirit inspired Stephen 
to just speak directly to the heart of these leaders and to convict them of their sin. But they weren't convicted. Instead, they were hard. They were hard in their hearts. They were stuck in their own beliefs, their own ideas of who God was. And so the only course of action that they think is reasonable is to stone Stephen to death. You know, somebody tells you something you don't like, stone him to death. Acts chapter 7, verse 55, records Stephen's final moments in his earthly life. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw God and saw Jesus standing in the place of honour at the right hand of God. The Jewish leaders, they were stuck. They were stuck in their own patterns of belief, in their own hopes, their own dreams, their own understanding. But, but Stephen, he's looking to the Lord and he's given this beautiful gift by God of seeing into heaven and to seeing Jesus standing next to Almighty God. And in that beautiful state of seeing God's glory, despite the pain he must have been in, in being stoned, Stephen's final words were, Lord, don't charge this sin against them. So Stephen, a man of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, served his community faithfully, served God faithfully, did amazing miracles in his name. This was probably not the outcome that Stephen imagined for his life on that day. When he woke up in the morning, when he knew he was going to testify and talk to these Jewish men, he probably didn't think that he was going to end up dying. He put the effort into being faithful to God. He'd been researching and understanding who Jesus was, that all the promises and all the prophecies that were fulfilled of the, in the Old Testament were fulfilled in Jesus. And yet this, this is how his life ends. Of course, Stephen's witness, it speaks to us today. But Stephen didn't know that at the time. It speaks to us today and it was also the beginning of the persecution of the early church. And many of the believers left Jerusalem and went to Judea and up to Samaria. And that brings us to the other man in Acts chapter 8, Philip. Now Philip was also one of the seven men who were chosen to distribute the food. And he was one of the believers who left Jerusalem and he went to Samaria, which is in the north. And there he preached. He cast out demons. He did miraculous signs and many people came to faith in Jesus. They were baptised and received the Holy Spirit. And there was such a movement of God in Samaria that Peter and John, who'd stayed in Jerusalem, they came up and they joined Philip so this is a revival that's happening. Like there's an incredible, you know, spirit of God is moving amongst these people and they're having a wonderful, wonderful time. And he's sharing this with Peter and John. And then an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip and told him to go to a desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. 
So he's up in the north in Samaria, he has to travel all the way down past Jerusalem to go to this deserted road which was hardly ever used. Now, I don't know whether... <laughs> did Philip sort of question in the back of his mind, you know, have you got this right? Like, this is a, a great place to be. We need to build this community of faith. This is exciting. So many people coming to the Lord. Why are you sending me away? Maybe he didn't. Maybe he's not like me. <laughs> and he obeyed and he went down to that road. And when he got to that road, there was an Ethiopian riding in a carriage. And the spirit told Philip to stand beside, to walk beside the carriage with the Ethiopian. And as he did, he heard the Ethiopian reading a passage from Isaiah, which just happened to be about Jesus. And the passage is Isaiah 53, 7 to 8. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before his shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated. He received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For he was taken from the earth. Now Philip asked the Ethiopian if he understood what he was reading. He didn't. And so Philip explained. And he explained that this was a passage about Jesus. Jesus the Messiah and how Jesus was fulfilling all the promises and all the prophecies from the Old Testament. And the Ethiopian believed and as soon as they came to some water, he asked Philip to baptise him. God had been working in the crowds up the north and now he was working through one individual. And tradition holds that the Ethiopian church is founded upon this one man's encounter with Philip. Now, if that's not an amazing enough experience of the power of God... There's more. Because when Philip was baptising this man, as he came out of the water, he was physically transported by the Spirit of the Lord 50 kilometres away. Now, if the Lord did that to me now, today, I would end up at Pitwater or Wollongong or Blacktown. That's how far Philip was transported. So it's like God said, okay, you've, you've done your work here with the Ethiopian man. Now I want you to go here. And we haven't got time, so I'm just going to transport you instantly. <laughs> and, and Acts just says that Philip made his way back up north, preaching at each town that he came to, as if this is just a normal day in ministry. But I wonder... Is that how Philip thought his ministry would go the day he woke up? You know, he probably thought he was going to have a lovely time with Peter and John, but no, he's got to go south. He testifies to an Ethiopian man and then he's transported 50 kilometres away. So I wonder, do these two life testimonies of these men do, do they challenge us in any way? Do they challenge us in the way we think about how God works in our lives or the results that we might expect from being faithful to God? Because they're very different. 
Now, if you know me, you will know that I'm very good at coming up with plans for God to implement. I have lots of plans, lots of really good ideas that I think would be really good for me and for other people if God, you know, took those plans on board. You can laugh. (laughs) And one time when I was very sick, I was in intensive care and I I didn't realise that you could be alive and be in so much pain. But I was lying on my sick bed and I, I, I was saying to the Lord, I've got this great idea. I think this will be really good. Thank you. <laughs> I said, just let your light shine down onto my bed and heal me instantly and I'll sit up and I'll testify to you and everyone in the, in the, in the hospital will hear about your wonder and your glory and it'll be, it'll be fabulous, you know, and people will come to know you. And I thought that was a really good plan. I'm not here today to testify to you that that happened. He didn't follow my plan. He clearly had a very different plan. And it took me well over a year to recover from that illness and it still affects me sometimes today. So, you know, was God's plan better than mine? Ephesians 2.10 is one of my favourite verses in the Bible. It's Paul writing to the young church in Ephesus, telling them how to live to give glory to God. And he says these words, For we are God's handiwork, masterpiece, craftsmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Now, this is not fatalistic. This is telling us that God's got it sorted, that when my plans don't align with God's plans, that I can trust him. God has it all mapped out for us. He knows the things that he wants us to do. He's got a blueprint. And it's it's a big picture. He doesn't show us the whole picture because it would probably overwhelm us. He just shows us what we need to know day to day. I think Stephen and Philip might have had different ideas about how their days would go. And, you know, we can have hopes and dreams about how we serve the Lord, about how we see that, you know, working with God to see the kingdom come to the here and now. I don't think there's anything wrong in having those plans or hopes or dreams. The problem happens when we get stuck in those, just like the the religious leaders. They were stuck in who they thought God was. They were stuck in the way they wanted life to be. And if we get stuck in our own plans, then that's when it becomes a problem. Whenever my plans are above God's plans, that's when it needs to come and be reshaped. We see in Stephen and Philip a willingness to go where God wanted them to go, despite what they might have thought, and to remain faithful to God and to trust him despite the things that were happening in their lives. So for us today, where are you 
Where are you in thinking about that story? Do you have a, a hunger and a desire, a fire in your heart to hear from God? Or are you maybe a little bit afraid because maybe he'll ask us to do something to take us out of our comfort, to take us out of our comfy plans? This is between you and God. What is God calling you to do today? What is God possibly calling you to lay down, to let go of, so that we can align with his plans? So these chapters in Acts 6, 7, 8, they give us a really good example of two men who were willing to give God everything and to follow where he leads. And I pray that we will be able to do the same. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we acknowledge that sometimes our ways are not your ways. That sometimes we don't want to hear your voice because we're comfortable, we're cosy in the way we're living. But Lord, if you are calling us to step out, to step out in faith some way, to give up something that we're holding on to instead of holding on to you, then speak to us, Lord, and lead us into the path you would have us go. Give us ears to hear you, open our hearts to your leading and fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit to teach us, correct us, encourage us and empower us like Stephen and Philip, to do the things that you have set before us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.